Well, welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Negroni, film editor for theyoungfolks.com. And from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a news and entertainment writer at Collider. It's Will Ashton. Hey, I didn't know if you were actually going to do a traditional opening or if you're going to do what you did last week. Last week. Where you had a kind of like informal like, what up? How you doing, Will? Hey, you know, Will. Like, what's up? And you're like, oh, by the way, like five minutes later, this I don't is plan this. Will, you, you think that I plan this? Like, you think that I just start the show and I'm just I like, here's my scheme? No. It's I just was... sometimes I get taken over by whatever mm-hmm. shenanigans you're up to over sure. there. I was bracing myself for some sort of comment or misdirect or something you were going to do that would be uh, against formula. And then you just did a traditional opening. So I was like, I'm okay. surprised I keep you on your toes like that. Maybe that's a sure. good thing. You I know? guess so. It's kind of well, like how we're keeping the listeners on their toes because they probably thought. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, you, you, you beat me to the punch. Oh, yeah. You can, you can say it. It's fine. I relinquish. No, no, no. You go ahead. A joke. I was just going to say, you know, listeners are probably like clicking this episode and being like oh that must be a typo r r r that must be some sort of reference to harry potter that i don't understand so because the boys trademark are going to be talking about fantastic beast secrets of dumble whatever and that's going to be the big show it's the big movie that came out this weekend isn't it are we talking about it no sure i don't know why you keep saying dumble whatever as if like people don't know who dumbledore is no it's not that people point. don't know it's just that i get sick of saying the name of the movie uh okay. by the time i get so it's just like whatever I mean, yeah, if you were like Grindel, whatever, I'd be like, okay, it makes sense. Cause that too. I mean, who, who remembers Grindelwald? But Dumbledore, I mean, that's OG Harry Potter. That's like going back, you know, to the beginning. I don't I think feel know obligated to put respect into the name at this point. Um, uh, yeah, I guess that's fair. But yeah, that that is the, uh, the hippogriff in the room, I suppose, that we are not talking about the, the big Fantastic Beasts movie. Um, I, I do, I do want to point out, by the way, though, that uh that movie have you seen the box office for fantastic beasts secrets of dumble uh dumbledore yeah um i saw like some headlines about it it did like okay by pandemic standards but by fantastic beast standards it's doing or by harry potter standards i don't even know if there are standards for the fantastic (laughs) beast movies at this point uh but i know by harry potter standards it's a new low yeah what i'm seeing is it's doing fine worldwide but domestically, it's not doing super well. It's domestically, it shares like twenty two percent. Now we got to factor in it's a big UK movie, right? And the international box office takes that into account. Sure, um, I think it's not doing great in the UK though, from what I've heard. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look that up. I, I assume that that's where a lot of it's coming from because it's made one hundred and ninety three point four worldwide. That includes North America, UK, all the rest. And I think that like it's Thursday tracking was basically it was like pretty close to on par with crimes, gri- crimes, crimes, crimes. I'm going to go with crimes, of crimes, of crimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because I think it's an interesting thing to bring up. And the only reason I do is because the Warner Brothers is really looking at like, are we going to keep doing this? And I mean, the consensus, I think, overwhelmingly from critics like us is please no, like no more of this fantastic beast stuff. These movies, mm-hmm. like I've been saying it since the first one, people are usually like, I like the first fantastic beast. I never liked these movies. I like, will go on record. I remember on now conspiring being the one, you know, muggle, I guess who was just like, come on, like, this is not magical. This is not fun. Like I, I thought sure. that movie was garbage and crimes of Grindelwald was worse, yeah. but 
are they going to keep making these? Are they? Um, I don't know. I mean, well, I was okay with the first one. I remember being like, this is fine. I don't, I don't share your disdain for it, but I do remember when that movie came out, I'd seen, I think before you, but we were just kind of informally getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were still like kind of on like casual terms or like, you know, formal terms with each other. Yeah. We weren't ridden like each a, other yet. Yeah. Right. We weren't comfortable, you know, sure. Getting each other uh, the business. But, you know, because of the uh, time gap, often you sometimes get some of your messages later. So, like, I think I'd gone to bed and I woke up and I got like 14 messages from you Mm -hmm. being like, you know, using four letter words to describe that film. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow. You know, it's weird to see like the (laughs) Pixar theory guy just like yelling in my (laughs) my uh, text feed about the Fantastic Beast films. But I mean, I don't know. You you were certainly you you wanted to do Cinemaholics. You're like, sure, that's this is the 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 show. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It's not a movie like I, you know, defend or anything. It's just kind of like, yeah, I thought the first one was fine. The second one basically killed any interest I had in the Fantastic Beast films, along with all the stuff with J.K. Rowling. And, mm-hmm. you know, just it's it's just kind of getting tired at this point. And I, I, I think the core idea of Fantastic Beast is fine. Like, if it was just following a dude kind of like Pokemon snapping his way through the Harry Potter world with all these like fantastic beasts i think it would actually be a pretty fun side series but you know it's, this is coming it's trying from to the be... detective pikachu fan sure. by the way yeah i like detective pikachu fine yeah. um but you know you know what i mean though like i feel like yeah, if it yeah. was just if it was just like a side thing where it's like we're not dealing with hogwarts we're not dealing with magic really we're just kind of focusing yeah, on the creatures and weird stuff that happens in this world outside of the the literal magic and yeah i'd be cool with that because they because they said early on they're like these aren't prequels to harry potter right and then they just totally switched course on that they're like actually no never mind this is all about dumbledore and grindelwald right and i yeah. personally like i don't care either way i think either direction isn't very interesting just to me personally i think the whole idea of like the fantastic beast thing was always like a weird concept i just i never i think the issue with me was always i never liked newt's commander as a character nothing to say about eddie renmain but it's just like he's just to me a very boring character i i don't think he has interesting dilemmas as a character i don't think he has compelling conflict whatever he's up to he just like is chasing around the fantastic beasts I, and i just think the way they try to shoehorn in, shoehorn him into these like larger wizarding battle plots is like so weird and it doesn't fit and it's you can just i think tell that they like really ran ran their course like with the david yates direction for these movies sure. and uh, again we didn't see crimes of or sorry secrets of dumble the yeah uh, the we just, we're just talking is, about the yeah. first two movies yeah um yeah i mean i remember the thing that i think endeared me to the first film was not uh eddie redman's performance which i thought was fine but i agree he's not the most compelling protagonist i think i was more charmed by um dan fogler's character yeah him and queenie uh, yeah. those were the characters they should have focused on like yeah. after that movie, they should have because you even see in this third movie, like the Fantastic Beast part of the title has gotten smaller and smaller as these movies have gone on. And sure. they should have just, you know, switched to just what, which characters are actually working. Right. And no, they I didn't. mean, I just thought I think his idea, like the idea of a muggle being in the world of wizards and being mm-hmm. in magic and having this sort of like fascination, and appreciation for magic is the one thing that really stood out to me in the first film and i feel like he was largely discarded in the second film which is why i think that movie among other reasons doesn't really work right right. and and it seems like the trailers at least suggest that they're 
focusing more on him, but like you said, I haven't seen the film. I don't know. I don't but know. I've heard <sighs> the third film doesn't really have a protagonist or a main character. I heard it's just kind of a, a you know, a hodgepodge of things. I heard oh, really? he's like the main focus, but I mean, I, I mean, it is his name in it. I heard like New sure. Commander isn't in it much. That's great to hear for me at least. But yeah, but, you we, know, but by the uh, way, sorry, it's been out for a couple of weeks and it like worldwide. So that is also a reason why the, okay. the worldwide box office has been okay. Sure. Is this more like, robust? Yeah. 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 It's it, that isn't like a single weekend. Like it, it did open a little bit earlier in other markets. Just wanted to get that out of the way. Sure. I mean, you know, like I've, even though the first Harry Potter film follows a sort of basic hero's journey archetype, it still has, you know, a pretty clear main character. It's Harry Potter yeah. and the blankety blank, blank, blank. And the Fantastic Beasts are just kind of like, you know, at this point, the Fantastic Beasts aren't really, really in the movies at this point. I don't think so, at least. I mean, I think the cricket probably still is. The cricket's fun. Yeah, um, but that's a Fantastic Beast, not plural. You know, yeah. there's like crabs or something in this one from the trailer, but it's like, that's not like fantastic. That's just a crab. Like, you know, I could see that the thing dang beach. I think the like uh, one thing I've been kind of anticipating is that obviously there's a lot of like online cultural backlash to JK Rowling, you know, because of how, you know, her she's been very like transphobic and and people yes. want to cancel her for sure. Um the last few years she's just been a bit of like a phew, a lightning rod of controversy. But I've always taken it as like that's very online. I very much doubt it has like a massive impact on how successful Harry Potter stuff is going to be like, yeah, sure. You have a lot of people bleeding off the fan base, whatever. But I mean, I think, I don't know, that probably was going to happen anyway. And also it, I, we're seeing here, it's like people don't pay attention to that stuff. Like most people, your average person on the street's not going to know, like they might not even recognize JK Rowling's name. It's like, oh yeah, that sounds familiar. No, they, um, they see Harry Potter on a poster. They see Fantastic Beasts. They're like, yeah, yeah, Dumbledore. I like that. I mean, they might be more familiar with that than other online dramas that have happened, but maybe in I passing. Agree that- but yeah, maybe yeah. not enough to drive them to hit, like leave Harry mm-hmm. Potter forever, right? Sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think that like uh, it, Harry Potter, I guess, just kind of ran its course. Like I get Harry- Warner Brothers really wanted to keep that cash train flowing, but it just didn't really seem like they like without uh, having actually Harry Potter and Hermione and Ron and, you know, the characters that people grew up with literally and loved. It just doesn't seem like people really care all that much or really have any investment in this side franchise other than like let's just get reconnected with hogwarts but yeah i mean when you suggested you didn't want to review it i didn't put up much of a fight because i just don't really have any interest in this movie and what are we gonna say you know it's it's like it's one of those situations where i I don't want to watch it i have i don't like this franchise i i don't think like people are gonna know what i'm gonna say there's no way it's gonna turn me around (laughs) and yeah yeah I mean, when you suggested that, that's why I was saying, like, if we aren't going to do Fantastic Beasts, which is undeniably the big film of the weekend, like, Mm -hmm. we might as well just do, we might as well use our platform to promote a film that, at the time, at least, I was really champion and you hadn't seen yet. And I was just like, well, if if there's ever going to be an opportunity to review a film like RRR, it's this weekend. So I think think we made the better call. I'm looking forward to our discussion with it. But yeah, I mean, that was just my thinking, at least going into this. Yeah, I still think that the whole I mean, the reason I wanted to talk about this at all is I do think it is pretty interesting to track and chart like how much do these like sort of like online controversies impact box office. I think a lot of people probably were like anticipating a huge reckoning, you know, like they wanted to see this movie crater. And I was never that optimistic as somebody who, you know, is just kind of like, 
yeah, I think there would be some schadenfreude in like the Harry Potter universe getting a kick in the leg for um, stuff that's gone on. But I mean, being realistic, like I, I think that it was always going to be diminishing returns because the reviews were bad on the last one. Like we know how this stuff works. Uh, I looked it up too. I was like, Crimes of Grindelwald had like a $62 million debut. And yeah, this debuted to way less than that, right? So yeah, I do think that we can... Um, we can sort of anticipate that like they might make another one because apparently they, they're still tossing around the idea of doing a fourth and a fifth and they're waiting to see how this does. And I could easily see them add like pandemic math excuses to this, uh, which we've seen a lot. You know, people are like, well, it didn't it didn't do we're in a pandemic. That's why it didn't make money. Don't pay attention to these 12 other movies that made a ton of money, you know, during the pandemic. It's sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that everybody's kind of like playing with a, a broken calculator when it comes to this stuff. So I would not be surprised if they're like, OK, fine, we'll do one more. And then, um, you know, maybe one more after that. I mean, if they do go ahead with another film or two more films, I think that would show that Warner Brothers is maybe even more desperate for franchises and IP properties than I initially anticipated. Um, from what I have heard, and this is all kind of going into speculation stuff, so I don't know if it's confirmed at this point, but I do know that they did some pretty extensive reshoots for this film and that apparently the end of it is pretty conclusive. I don't know exactly what happens, but I've heard it's pretty like it could be the finale of this trilogy now if it is a trilogy at this point like it seems like warner brothers is pretty open to just kind of wiping their hands with this and moving on to like i wouldn't i wouldn't blame them i think what they my my advice and we can move on after this my advice for warner brothers with harry potter either don't do it or just don't get rid of this team that you have like, remember when Harry Potter used to have, like, different directors and different writers and, like, they still have J.K. Rowling. They still have David Yates working on these movies. Like, get some somebody new in there. Like, honestly. And I get it. Like, Rowling, you know, she's the creator, right? So, like, it's hard for them to do that. But she's not a screenwriter. Like, she just isn't. And she's also, like, you know, she seems to be much more focused on you know, trying to like be transphobic all the time. So like, let her go do that. And then if you really need to do Harry Potter things, just get some fresh talent in there, get a fresher perspective. I think that would, yeah. that would be the spark this thing needs and wait a while. Cause it's, we've had too much of this over the last 20 years. I mean, that's where it kind of, I, I wonder how much of it is just like JK Rowling's ego or pride. Cause I really do wonder about that. Like you mentioned, like, why does she feel so compelled to write these movies to be involved? Like, it, 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 she has more money than God at this point. Like, it's not like she really needs to, like, you know, prove herself at this point. And I, I, I guess it's just keep retaining that control or whatever. Because, like I mean, you said, I, get, I always feel there's like, an op- yeah. there is, like, a nice way to look at it. You know, like you, you feel a kinship with the characters in this universe. Like, you, I can totally understand wanting to, just from a creative level, still have involvement because it's your thing. It's like George Lucas held sure, on to Star Wars for so long, it. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, I don't, I would never bemoan, like, a creator, like, uh, somebody like that for being like, you know, this is still my creation, the thing I made. Like, you know, I I get that. But, but at the same time, it's like, yeah. What else do you have to say with these characters, honestly? Well, I mean, with Lucas, at least, like, you can say what you will about the prequels, but I still think Lucas deeply cares about that franchise, really. Like, I think he made the films that he wanted to make, maybe not as well as he wanted to, but I think he told the story he wanted to tell in some fashion or another. Yeah. And I just don't really get the sense from Rawling with these movies that she's, like, 
really like she has ideas she wants to explore there are things she wants to say in this franchise it just feels like she's continuing it because she feels some sort of obligation to do so and i'm not really sure exactly what that obligation is at this point well i feel obligated to talk about something else <laughs> all right um because I, th- I think that basically covers it uh real quick i wanted to say there was another movie that came out this week father stew the uh, Mark Wahlberg film um, that also stars Jackie Weaver, Mel Gibson, and a few other familiar faces. And mm-hmm. th- this is like a, you know, f- kind of a sneakily faith based film. Like it's, what, it's not, it's not like God's not dead, right? It's, it's not okay. like a pure flicks kind of movie where you're like, okay, yeah, this is made by, this was funded by a bunch of youth pastors. No, nah, it's, 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 or I guess, I, I guess mega, pe- mega church pastors would be more fitting, mm-hmm. but, um, no, it's just it, it's like a based on a true story of like a Catholic priest, basically. And I didn't watch the trailer for this, so I didn't know going in how all over the place it would be. But basically, it's Mark Wahlberg playing like three totally different characters. You know, this kind of guy who's like a boxer for like the first 20 minutes. And then he's like he goes to Hollywood, tries to make it big, baby. And then he like falls in love and then finds God. And then he has a disease and he's a pastor or a priest. And I'm just like, it's a slog of a movie. I think it's pretty bad. Um, I think the best thing about it is Jackie Weaver because like there were, she has like a few lines of dialogue where she was saying exactly what I was feeling and thinking. Uh, Otherwise I thought it was like definitely not worth checking out. And also I really hate that. Mel Gibson is such a horrible person in real life. It's just hard for me to see him in a movie and just be like, man, I don't (laughs) Why are you still here? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I'm just not a fan. Like, just his face irks me. Um, what are you going to do? But, uh, sure. yeah, not a good movie. Uh, Adonis Gonzalez reviewed it for us on The Young Folks. And he was, he, he like, had some, like, deep, like, I don't understand how religion works. Someone please explain this to me energy, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Because um, I was certainly, like, I'm not Catholic, mm. so I didn't have, like, a Catholic way into this. Lash and I oh, assume boy. that you, uh, you'll be checking this out at mass. Um, um public I don't screening. know. I mean, you know, my dad, uh, he's, uh, a Catholic, a pretty devout Catholic, but he also is really into wizards and magic. So he was interested in seeing fantastic beast. I don't know if I'm going to be seeing with him, but I might offer father Stew as a substitute. Cause I, I'm more curious about father. Mm. I'm more curious about father Stew than I am about fantastic beast at this point. It's a long set. Um, I'm going to say that. It's not really? long runtime wise, but I mean, it is long runtime wise, but mm-hmm. it feels longer, at least for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I should note that it, from what I can tell, it is based on a true story, right? Stuart yes. Long was a real guy. I mean, just to be clear that it's not like based on three different people or fictional. It is based on a true life story. I don't know right. how much that is accurate or anything. I'm not too familiar with the real Stuart Long story, but um, I don't know. I mean, it is worth also noting that uh, the filmmaker rosalind ross i believe is her name uh it's mel gibson's partner and i'm not quite sure if mel gibson had a hand at all in the making of the film outside of his part or if he just kind of did that you know to you know yeah and he's, give- he's not in the movie a ton like he is a supporting character but he's kind of like like if you added all his time up it's probably 15 to 20 minutes total maybe yeah but I mean, I was reading something earlier that that was kind of fascinating about like how all of his directorial efforts are about like men who sort of uh, have to kind of maintain some sort of dignity when facing, you know, persecution or punishment or something like that. And 
Hacksaw Ridge, what Hacksaw Ridge was like more of like an internal thing, like that internal battle to find that moral strike or that moral like obligation. Mm. I heard this movie is kind of similar, but it doesn't result to violence. And I think that if it is, if, if Gibson had any sort of involvement with the, the filmmaking of it, which I don't actually know if that's true or not, but uh, I, I, at least in that respect, I find it to be kind of interesting, but I imagine as you're suggesting, that's mostly sort of uh, a mockish film that, you know, relies on Mark Wahlberg kind of maybe overdoing it to continue to push himself as a sort of faith-based actor. That I think is the case. Um, but you know, what are you going to do? I think that it's, it's out there. It's, it's not oppressively bad. I'm sure some people, including Russian's father bad. might watch it and get something out of it. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I have it, no idea if we'll watch it's, it. It's but. not, yeah, it's not unwatchable. It's not like you're watching and you'd be like, this is terrible acting. This is terrible writing. It's just like the whole thing put together. It's like, once you like piece it together as a whole, it's like, man, what, what was this experience? Like I, it's, none of this felt worth what we were just doing so that's how i came out of it uh we're all going to the world's fair also came out um i think in limited theaters this past week and i yes. think it's opening wide next week and uh this is this is a huge movie uh, a, a huge uh i'm gonna say milestone uh we, the film was directed by jane shunbrin a trans non-binary director and writer and this premiered at sundance last year like 2021 sundance so it's been a long time now and I, I've cut, it's, it's kind of cool, you know, it's like a, a film, a horror film from a trans filmmaker and a non-binary filmmaker. And it, it was one of those movies I remember when it came out, like I wasn't the biggest fan of We're All Going to the World's Fair, which is like a yeah. kind of like this eerie sort of like you, you're watching this like teenager uh, just kind of like in her bedroom on the Internet, just slowly descending into madness essentially is the plot and it's pretty haunting of a movie for sure like it's it definitely like it has Slenderman vibes to an extent what do you think of it yes no this is a film since i've seen it. and actually i think i saw it before it premiered at sundance because i got a screener for it that i've been trying to champion a good bit because it does have that quality that you're suggesting which is that on its surface, I think it works as a film. Like I think it's effective at what it tries to do, but I think the power of it really sort of lingers the more you think about it and the more you really feel its connection to what the internet internet age is and how like there is this sort of gap between the known and the unknown in a way where it's like we are like a um knowledge based age where like we have access to all this information, but there is also just so much that inherently through like chat rooms and anonymous interactions with people online, that there is a sort of sense of not really knowing who you're talking to or not really knowing all the time, like who you're actually engaging with. And I think this movie really feels attuned to that in a way that doesn't feel opportunistic in a way that other internet movies have. Like it feels like it actually is from a filmmaker who grew up in the internet age and has like that, real connection to it and knows how isolating, but also how vital it can be for, you know, sort of insulated people who can't really fully express themselves publicly mm -hmm. for any number of reasons. And I think it's a really outstanding film that has grown on me, the more I really reflect on it. And I've been, you know, making conscious efforts to really push it. And that's why I wanted to talk about on the show. I also yeah. was fortunate enough to get it to play for one night at the theater, uh, where I worked back in January, and we had a really nice response to January it. January so, scary, right? Yes, January scary. Our uh, annual, or now I guess annual. I imagine because um, this movie, had, this movie's box or, office so far is only thirteen thousand, and I imagine a lot of that came from your theater. 
Well, we we this would have been before it uh, premiered. Uh, yeah, but doesn't that like, count? Yeah. As box I don't know. Office? I, I really don't know. Um, it, it wouldn't be thirteen thousand, but uh, for well, as I far know as, that. Like, what, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I just I just really hope people check this. out. I mean, the way I've been kind of casually describing the film is that it's sort of like eighth grade by way of paranormal activity, but I don't want to make it seem like it's like super jump scare heavy or right. It's, it's not like, unfriended. It's a screen life movie, right? But it's more about like the scariness behind the rabbit holes of the dark side of the internet, which is a different kind of scary. Right. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I, I just want to make sure that like people don't have the wrong perception of the film mm-hmm. when they go into it. But I really do think if you give it a chance, it'll, it'll prove to be really effective. And I think the lead performance, I, I forget um, the actor's name, but I, I think Anna she Kopp. really, okay, I think it's, a, I, it might be a debut performance. I think. Yeah. It's a tremendous lead performance. And um, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see where that performer goes next as well. So Agreed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it more or get more out of it, but uh, yeah, just, I, I just feel it's a movie that's really worth seeking out and people should uh, at least give it a shot if they can. I hold it up as like a neat movie, like an oddity that I, I really respect and I'm glad exists because it's it's talking about something that I think more movies should be about. I, I wasn't able to really connect with it deeply, but I guess, and which is weird too, because like I certainly was feeling the unsettling mood of the movie. Like, I think that whole concept of, you know, what, what, what are kids doing, you know, uh, this generation, you know, in their bedrooms and like, you know, especially in light of like right now, like there's such a like increased hyper fixation on what kids are being taught in the classroom. It's like, Oh, you can't indoctrinate my kids. You know, parents are so freaking out about what kids are getting in school in terms of like information, but like, Holy crap, your kids are in like their bedrooms at night. Like, who knows what they're consuming from the internet and like parents could not be less than bothered about that sort of thing, you know? And I think uh, this movie certainly tackles like how that can be like almost like this weird sort of like a rite of passage for somebody of like when they're at that age, when they first consume like a breadth of like really disturbing content and how it like can or can't change them. And I think in that respect, the movie's pretty effective actually, but yeah, I I gotta say it's like, Definitely not one that I was, uh, you know, singing the praises of as fiercely, but I certainly like, I'm, I'm really, uh, impressed by this filmmaker and, uh, this lead performance. So, and it's, it's in, it's in limited release. I think it's like in some coastal theaters and I, I don't think it's in San Francisco yet, but it probably will be by next week. So yeah, depending on your area, it might be showing up. I think, will you say it's not showing up yet in Pittsburgh, uh, near you, but we'll, we'll see if that changes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm really not sure how big of a theatrical rollout it's going to get. And I was curious to see it in theaters because I'm really uh, not sure if it works better on the big screen, if it actually works better at home. Because like you mm. said, like uh, you and I, we saw it at home, like on I saw on my computer, which I feel like is a pretty appropriate pretty way to watch yeah. the film. But I, I don't know if that like the disquieting feel of it. I don't know if it's more effective in a theater or if that might take away from some of its power if if you just see it at home and like you watch it the same way that the characters are sort of experiencing the media they see i don't know if that would add uh, a level to it in a way but obviously i mean above all else i want people to support the film so certainly if you have the chance to see in theaters i would encourage you to do so but if you don't have the opportunity to see in theaters i think seeing at home might prove to be an even richer experience in some ways cool well i i had just one more movie to bring up before the main event 
And uh, th this is a big one, too, because it, it just opened in, I think, I don't know if it's technically a wide release, but it's playing in a few theaters around the Bay Area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, not all of them, right? Uh, I, I mean, I looked and I, I saw that it's not like, I think uh, in my area it's not around. I'd have to drive a bit, but it's it's playing. Uh, and it's Duel, the new film from Riley Stearns. So Riley Stearns uh, did that uh, Art of Self-Defense movie. And with this movie, which stars Karen Gillan, um, th this movie is kind of funny too because it premiered at Sundance and we've already kind of mentioned it before and it's kind of getting a quick turnaround here, I think, because I think they have faith in this to, to kind of find it's a springtime audience as like an alternative movie. It's like a sci-fi thriller. And I think we were both pretty favorable uh, for it at Sundance. I don't think it was either of our favorites, but I, I certainly like it was one of the most memorable movies I saw. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I just rewatched the film the other day, uh, actually yesterday, um, because it, up? it mostly holds up. Yeah, I, I think I preferred it the first time because the humor is a little more cutting. And like you, if you don't if you don't know what's going to happen, I think it's a little bit more effective mm -hmm. and a little bit more uh, um, uh, engaging. But I, I do think watching a second time, I really appreciate how tight the screenplay was and how much Riley Stearns uh, put so much thought into concentrating. It's shot in like Finland, but it doesn't really take place in Finland. It doesn't really, it, I don't know if they ever really disclose where it takes place, but it has that sort of uh, European feel, but it also feels very American. It kind of adds that sort of like, uh, you know, yeah. well, weird, I think, like, I think sense of, yeah. I think Stearns always wanted to do it in a different country too, because I think they originally were going to do it in New Zealand or Canada. So I think he wanted, I think he was purposely looking for that sort of like, this is our world, but not quite our world referring specifically to the United States. Mm -hmm. I think that was all part of his plan. I want to say. Yeah. And I also really appreciate, like I noticed this time more that like some characters have like your kind of basic traditional American accents and some have different right. European accents. And that kind of adds to like, it never being quite central to one place in time. And that, you know, I, I, and this movie nice got a technique. lot of, yeah, this movie got a lot of, um, comparisons to Yorgos Lanthimos, same mm -hmm. as, uh, his previous film, the R self defense. And I can see why. And I, I, I feel like people use it as a sort of, uh, dismissive of his work. Like it's which trying to replicate, weird. which I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, I, I mean, I would say that R self defense and dual are as good as Yorgos Lanthimos's best films, but, I, I do think he seems to that this like the, the way that people sort of have a disaffected tone and the way that they like don't really react much to violence in a very violent world. It, mm -hmm. I think that kind of makes it more stark and often more funny yeah, in a very like sort of dry, dry and dark way. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the dry reactions to things that you would expect, like huge emotional reactions to. That's very right. like that's a very specific cinematic approach yeah and i also appreciate that um especially a rewatch that when people do react to things it, it's it becomes more pronounced and you it mm -hmm. means more because that's like you know it, like people are actually really responding and that makes some of the, the emotional beats i think really affect you more in the result in the long run yeah I think it's quite a good movie. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of at that point in the year where I'm looking at all right, so what are some of my favorite movies of the year so far? I'm kind of like putting everything into the list, and yeah, you know, Duel's not at the very top, but it's certainly up there in terms of like, hey, like you might not have heard of this movie. It's a really good Karen Gillan performance. It's a really fun concept. Aaron Paul has a fun little turn in it, 
And it's got it's got an interesting message, you know. It's uh, I, I saw one reviewer kind of liken to it as like, "Hey, there's a Clone Wars movie coming out," <laughs> you know. Um, and I think I think it's coming out an interesting time too because it does have sort of this like, "Hey, it's like almost like Hunger Games for adults a little bit." Of like, if you grew up on the Hunger Games movies and you if you always felt like, man, that those movies like have such a dark premise but like such a fluffy like story attached to it uh duel is like a much more grounded sort of like what if you had a clone you know uh you know this person who looked like you and had to compete in the world to be in the same world as you uh what would you do in order to like you know basically defeat them in hand-to-hand combat some uh, if you have like a year to prepare and it's just such a like weird premise um, but it's also it has like all these implications that I think get spoken more of like what's in what's not said um, than what is said. Like I think you were even messaging me like some stuff that you picked up on the second watch that you hadn't really noticed before that maybe even speak further to like how this movie has a lot of like deeper, richer themes that maybe maybe uh, we notice at first glance. I mean, I'm adding the deeper, richer themes part. You didn't say that, but that was my takeaway. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, both times I watched the film, I appreciate as basically sort of an allegory for depression and how people can uh, often find themselves at a point where like life is seemingly meaningless and sort of uh, absurd. And there's not really a lot of sense to the noise. And certainly in this film's case, like there's a sense that like people expect Sarah to be this type of person. And there is someone who can be that for other people. But and, and there's a sense of like, oh, why does she feel a need to keep going? Why does she feel a need to fight for her life? But it's just like, well, my life is my own. It's like, I don't really have much in this world, but I have my life. and I kind of just need to fight for it because of that. And it becomes a sort of odd and, you know, like we said, darkly funny take. And, you know, I, I think some people, I don't know, I, I guess they're maybe sort of expecting something more drastic to happen at the end of the film, like maybe something that's a little bit more action focused. And that I think adding to some people's yeah. disappointment in they're the like, film. They're like, they're like, Hey, I'm going to double feature this with the last duel. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, weirdly, I would say this is a kind of fun double feature with uh, everything everywhere all at once. Like if you need something like, like a cleanse it, like a power oh, yeah, cleanser. to bring yourself down, you know, right. just like, yeah. okay, right, now exactly. we need to, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. bring it all back down a little bit. I like that. Yeah, um, you know, but, yeah, yeah. but, um, yeah, I don't know, I mean, I actually think it's a type of film, though, that it's something I, I, I found the second time is that it gets, I think, better as it goes along. Like, the beginning is solid, but I think the end of it, or, like, the last act of it is really where this movie comes to life, and, you know, I, I guess that's where I sort of divi- the diverge from other people's opinions, like, where the end kind of made them lose interest or wane in appreciation for the film. The end is what I think really makes it pronounced and affecting, so... Yeah, I just think it's a, a good dark comedy, and I, I hope people check it out. Yeah, I mean, it's a quick watch. It's a, it's about an hour and a half, and we'll we'll see how it does. I mean, I, I don't see it being like a huge, huge success, um, but it's a low-budget film, and it's another great showcase for Karen Gillan, who I just, I'm always happy to see her sort of like stretching beyond, you sure. know, her sort of like Marvel roles, and I, I think uh, like that what was it the jumanji stuff like she's fine in those movies and everything like i have nothing against you know nebula or what she's doing in jumanji or whatever but i don't know i just think this mode is such is such an interesting thing for her i know party's just beginning wasn't everybody's like favorite that was what her directorial debut right um Party's just beginning 
Yeah, yeah, but I, I, th- I think like that mode for this actor is always like really fun to see. So, um, I'm, I'm excited that she has another successful, uh, kind of indie feature like this under her belt. Um, and uh, really cool to see Aaron Paul, you know, just on the big screen. I, I think that we don't see him enough. I think like since Need for Speed, it just seems like the guy has been kind of like relegated to, you know, TV shows and like bit characters. And I think that's a huge shame. He's really talented. Even in this movie, he's, he's not like a big, like character or anything but um, certainly one of the features of the film i think so yeah um yeah the last thing i just wanted to say about karen gillian's performance is that something that i really appreciated is that she has to really uh differentiate between the two sarahs while kind of keeping level with the film's sort of muted tone and like mm-hmm. i said that sort of disaffected way of talking but she's really good at like differentiating between the two Sarah's where it's a point where you're never really confused, which one is which unless the film needs you to be confused. Um, and I just like making those, uh, two characters really distinct and different from one another while still inherently kind of being the same person and keeping true to the film, sort of, like I said, muted tone. And that's just a really tough balancing act. That I think she pulls off really well. So that's just something I wanted to highlight as well about her performance. All right, we've talked about some indie movies. We've talked about, you know, one of the most micro-budget movies of the year, The Fantastic Beasts Secrets of Grindelwald. But now we're going to we're talking to talk about a movie that is completely different from everything we've just been discussing. A total sort of like bit of a surprise film, I think, for me at least. I, I don't know about it for, for you because I know you were aware sure. of it earlier. But like, I don't think either of us went into 2022 expecting this movie right sure yeah, I was gonna say, not only a total departure from what we're used to seeing a complete departure from anything we've talked about ever on the history of this show i think that is extremely fair to say because what one genre of film that will and i haven't delved into on this show regrettably is the genre or i don't know if you can call it a genre but essentially bollywood films bollywood tollywood the Indian and Pakistani filmmaking in that part of the world, which is a huge film industry. I mean, it's massive. You know, we certainly talked about that sort of type of film before on the show, specifically when American films have taken, you know, maybe some elements from it, like in very, very slight passing, right? Like people kind of uh, noted that Aladdin, the live action Aladdin was trying to like market itself as having like a Bollywood dance sequence, you know, or at least have some like very, very light Bollywood inspiration to sort of attract a global audience and say what you will. That might be the key to why that film was such a massive success internationally is because people were like, hey, that's different. I don't usually see that from Disney and overseas. Bollywood is a much, much bigger deal. Uh, But with this film, RRR, this is definitely one of the biggest like word of mouth sort of like it came to the US. It was super successful um, in other territories and it came here and people were like, hey, you know what? Th- this is something that like Americans need to sort of like check out. Right. I think there can be a little bit of like some uh, I don't want to say dismissiveness, but a little bit of like, at least in my area, we have lots of international films come here, which is really cool. And one th- one you know surge of interest in international films we've seen uh, most recently over the last few years are Chinese films, things like The Wandering Earth, for example. Um, they can be huge events in my area. Like lots of people uh, 
from here or like, you know, they work in like the Silicon Valley, like San Francisco area and they, they have like work visas and stuff and they love those movies back home. They come here and they spread the word and people are like, oh yeah, this is like really cool. Why didn't I know about it? And it's because, you know, like they're not really marketed to because there's not this expectation of like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this film with subtitles. And and I think one film, I know I'm doing like a weird uh, preamble here, but I think that uh, one film that kind of helped pave the way, I think, for for like mass audiences in North America to give subtitled films a bigger chance was Parasite winning Best Picture. That was such a big, you know, sort of change. And then also, I think Netflix has been instrumental in sort of introducing and like getting like audiences to sort of get more and more used to like you can watch a subtitled movie like it's not going to break your brain you know it doesn't need to be dubbed like and i get it netflix has dubbed things all the time but i think it's like a gateway sort of thing i think people sometimes watch dubbed stuff on netflix and they're like this dub isn't perfect i'm just going to watch it in the original that's that adds more to the cultural atmosphere anyway and I've seen time and again, like people like a few years ago who would never in a million years watch a subtitled movie are being like, oh, yeah, I, I watched, you know, this movie like I watched this Korean, you know, K-pop thing on Netflix the other day it was awesome. And and it's becoming more and more mainstream. I say that to somebody like I grew up on subtitled movies because in Puerto Rico, like movies were always subtitled because like the people spoke Spanish. And so like a lot of movies had to be either subtitled in Spanish or English because you had a lot of different, you know, Spanish and English speakers. So, uh, yeah, you gonna say something. Well, yeah, I mean, because that ties into that uh, quote from Bong Joon-ho. I think it was during his acceptance speech at the Golden Globes where he said, mm-hmm. uh, "If I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know if I, I know exactly, but he said, if you can get past the one-inch barrier on the screen, you have a whole world of cinema that you can experience. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's that's just what it is. Like, you know, like, I don't know, for some reason, I guess people just kind of get scared by subtitles. Like, I feel like there's this perception, I guess, where people thought like, oh, it's going to be like homework or something where I have to kind of like read to watch a film. Like I just want to like casually put something on. And, you know, I mean, maybe you do have to kind of like do a little bit more work as far as like, you know, like it might be in a country you're not as familiar with. And so like maybe some of the things related to politics or social customs or anything like that may not be, um, you know, as natural or to you or something different from your experience. So you may have to kind of learn as you're watching it, what, is going on but i i've found at least that the more you really open your horizons and explore different films from different uh cultures and different countries and different languages you really just broaden your horizon in so mm-hmm. many vivid and extraordinary ways and i mean i don't think i've ever been lesser for seeking out a film you know with that one inch barrier you know what i mean like it, it, I it's always yeah, yeah. yeah you know it, it's even if i don't love a film from another country I, I at least usually get something that i wouldn't get out of a mediocre american film or something like that so i mean you know it's not i'm i i am certainly um someone who has had limited experience watching foreign language films in the past i i, I would imagine i've had more experience than some of the people you're referring to but it is something i've made a conscious effort to really uh push forward and you know really to allow myself to see films from other countries and broaden my horizons. And, yeah. and that was one big reason why I wanted to see this film for sure. I think for me, you know, like I, I think there are a lot of people like me who grew up on closed captions because, you know, my hearing was never good. And a lot of, I, I was one of those weird kids. I loved reading, you know, or knowing what words were being said. Cause I was fascinated by words and I was fascinated by spelling. And like, I, I always had the closed captioning on people would be like, can you turn that off? Like, we don't need subtitles. I'm like, I need subtitles. Thanks. And I remember like, 
in movie theaters. Like I think when I was first in California, like the the mid 20 teens, you know, and I, I would purposely seek out international films because it was before I had hearing aids. And those were the films that I was like, oh yes, it has subtitles. Like that to me was, it was like such a relief. You know, there are a lot of people like me who are like, we need hearing assisted devices. And if you don't have them or if your theater doesn't have like good access to them, then subtitles like just it makes it that for me as I'm able to enjoy the film a lot easier because I'm not like, what did they say? What? What was that word? Huh? Especially like fantasy movies too. And also like uh, anime, you know, like I, I remember some of my first experiences, like sort of getting over that like barrier was because if you only watch anime, especially like when we were growing up, you most anime was dubbed that we had. But if you wanted to really get to the good stuff or if you wanted to watch anime that was like much more like recent, you had to watch the subtitled stuff. Right. And so, like, I think that was also like a really cool uh, thing. So anyway, lots lots of preamble there about subtitles. All that to say that I, I hope, you know, people don't let that get in their way because they sure. should, I think people should check out this movie, RRR, mm-hmm. which for me was like another one of those things. Like you said, watching a film that. I certainly was watching this and there was a lot of cultural context I'm sure went way over my head, like absolutely went over my head. Uh, we had a, a listener who messaged us on Twitter who, you know, cause we mentioned last week we were going to be talking about this and uh, the listener's name, I'm going to look at uh, Hari something. I forget the last name, but uh, the listener Hari was like, Hey, you know, like glad you guys are going to be talking about this um, and suggested for us to, if possible, check out this other movie called Bahubali. Um, it's in two parts. It's from the same director. And uh, I had a chance to check out the first one. Um, I didn't finish it. It's super long, but uh, I watched most of it and it was quite good. I I certainly was like, yeah, I can see why this, what brought this director to this movie, RRR, which feels like such a like culmination of uh, his talents. You know, Uh, the director we're talking about is SS Rajamuli. Uh, He's made a lot of films at this point. Um, I'm saying like, I think like 12, 13 films in total. Um, that he has credited on TMDB. Um, I think that's like a a special version of T of uh, IMDB. Okay. And and yeah, I I think this this director I'm I'm so f- uh, fascinated in. And I I think um, if you want to watch Bahubali, by the way, Bahubali and Bahubali Two, it's basically one film in two parts. Like the listener said, uh, they're both on Netflix, and there are multiple versions on Netflix. I think the the correct one to watch is uh, actually I'm not going to say because I don't remember. It's in two different dubs. And uh, the one that's like closest to, I think, the right language, it might be the right one. Um, and I just don't want to speak ill or I speak incorrectly. But I think it's the Hin- not the Hindi one. But uh, anyway, that's it. RRR. I've talked a lot, Will. Why don't, why don't you introduce this film <laughs> and what it's about? Uh, sure. I mean, not an easy task, to be yeah. sure, as far as... <laughs> that's why uh, I'm putting it on you. It's that, oh, right. by the way, this movie's in Telugu, uh, language-wise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... Let's see here. So basically, the I guess the broad uh, synopsis for RRR is that it follows uh, a parallel narrative between two men, one named Rom and another named uh, Bomb. Is 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 that how you pronounce it? I, I think it's Beam. Mean, beam. Oh, sorry, Beam. My bad. Uh, and throughout like a good chunk of the film, we're kind of just like bouncing back between back and forth between their perspectives as you know they they come from you know two different worlds like as far as like you know like one 
grew up to be a like super soldier. The other uh, had a kind of like, he grew up with this. We see a sort of tragic backstory as far as like uh, his culture. There's like this great tragedy that happens, and he feels this need to to go into the colonial uh, world to order to bring back a young girl who was kidnapped by the colonists. And uh, in the process the British of colonists, we should say sorry, right? British this colonists. is the yeah, 1920s. Right. Um, and in the process of uh, saving uh, a bystander's life, like sort of indirectly, they both feel this need to um, save this bystander's life. Uh, they, they realize that like they work really well together. But not only do they work really well together, they are like secretly blood brothers or not blood brothers, but like spiritual brothers who are like not only like the best bros and the best dudes together ever, but like they just like have this sort of like fate based kinship to each other where they realize that like I need you and you need me. And it's not really like a romantic thing, but it's more just like you're my bro and you are like the dude who I need to make sure is protected and cared for as much as possible. And the other guy's like, I was just going to say the same thing. And you know, it, it, and like you know, you just watch like these two guys just like kick Colonius butt for three hours, more or less. I mean, that's like the broadest definition or the synopsis of the film I can give. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff obviously going in there, but I don't want to give away a lot of the big action beats or a lot of the romantic beats or any of the musical mm. numbers that happen without getting spoilers. The but. music number is on YouTube though, the not to, mm. and I think it's worth checking out. Uh, oh yeah, I don't yeah, think it gives away. Yeah, yeah. Um, any plot points that you don't want to be spoiled on, but we are, we are going to do a spoilery thing toward the end. That's why we did everything at the front of the show, because I, I think that like, it's hard. I, I do not want to spoil people on this. I don't want to even talk about specific like sequences in this, because for me, the massive enjoyment of this was not watching the trailers and not really seeing like, what is this movie? Right. And being able to see these action beats and see these, this, these like spectacular moments happen was like, that was 90% of the fun. So I, I'm very, very, I want to be very, very cautious about it. And I think that's a good way to sort of like get into it. It's like, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it is essentially, like you said, it's the origin story of cinema holics. It's how John and Will, <laughs> you know, uh, we were just kind of, uh, you know, this, this person was in trouble and we were like, all right, well, you know, maybe this guy will help me out. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how the show got started. So anyway, yeah, this is, this is an action movie. It's a blockbuster. And I think that it, Epic is like too small of a word to kind of get across like how like is there a bigger word than epic because that's what this movie is like watching this thing and it's over three hours long. Um, I went into it very, very like, oh, man, three hours. Like, I I think I said on this show, I was like, well, come on, man, you're killing me. Like, how am I going to find the time for this? Yeah, that was the hard sell, I guess, without you knowing anything about the film. And I mean, like, you know, for a Hollywood film, that's not you know, irregular, I guess, you you know, it's not like this is like out of the norm, but you know, for someone without that experience, you know, like it is like, you know, for a casual, it's a type of film that's kind of hard to recommend to, you know, like friends and family only a sense that like, you have to like, trust me, that's worth the three hours you Mm -hmm. invest in it. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, certainly the first half of film has so many action beats where like a normal, American film, I guess, like this would probably be like 
the rising action or like the like climactic beat. Yeah. And this is just something that they have happening in like the first 30 minutes of the film to set up the characters. Right. And then you get to the actual story of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, it's like uh, just incredible. And then like, like there gets to be a point uh, where like, this one huge confrontation happens shortly after the not to not to uh, musical number that you were referring to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like, Oh my goodness. Like this is like an amazing action sequence. It's just incredibly choreographed. It's just so much happening. It's really fun and funny uh, and so much happening. And it's just like, Oh, that's just like the, you know, the midpoint, like we, yeah. we haven't even gotten to the second half of the film yet. And that's just like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, it, it's a treasure trove of action, goofy goodness that just happens in this movie. And like you said, if you go into not knowing what's going to happen, just being told like, hey, it's a really cool movie. Check it out. Like it it really unravels in so many fun and awesome, surprising ways. Yeah, because I, I think especially that runtime is daunting if you're not already a built-in fan of Bollywood and Tollywood where you're like, Oh yeah, I watch, I've watched plenty of these movies and I enjoy them quite a bit. No, like I, I was very much like th- that is one realm of the film industry that I am woefully inexperienced with. And so I was, there's obviously that, that frust- not frustration, but there's that, uh, hesitation, you know, I was like, Oh gosh, well, what if it's just not for me and I'm stuck with this movie for three hours, but no, no, I think that this was absolutely one of those cases where, it was a hundred percent for me. And I think it was for everybody who was in that screening because my goodness, like it's such a crowd pleaser of a movie. I think because like the story itself is not that complicated, but it has so much going on in it. You know, like I think that the whole idea of like trying to like liberate, you know, the indigenous people of this, of this area and, you know, the British empire, you know, like they're mustache twirling villains. They're very one dimensional. Sure. But I think obviously where the film finds its layers and its complications is in the, you know, are these two people going to have to clash because, you know, one of them, they're coming from two opposing sides and, you know, they're, you know, their missions are simple, but like how they have to like do what they do is not simple. And obviously that's all complemented by these like really great touches of just personal and national sort of, uh, attention to like what this world, you know, like this, this 1920s, um, place is, uh, it's, it's, I think it's in India. Um, Del Delhi, I think is where it is. And it's just, it feels like such a location that like anything can happen. It's not to say that the movie's a fantasy, you know, like it's not that it's, um, you know, like there, there are no rules, but kind of, there are no rules. Sure. Right? I mean, it is loosely based on true historical events, but loose is yeah. doing a lot of work in that sentence. Like it is a very heightened yes. story, but it doesn't feel like there are stakes. Like that's, I think crucial to the film is that like, mm-hmm. there is a sense that like these characters are infallible. Like they're super strong and like there are basically superheroes, but they're not like indestructible. If, they, if there were no stakes, then I feel like this would maybe kind of lose its momentum at some point. But the movie is very aware of like the, the, um, the, the flaws or the, uh, the failings or the things that, that hold these character back, you know, and I don't want to say what those are exactly, but I mean, yeah, I, I think that's like what makes this world feel so exciting, but also never like beyond the realm of like impossible to the point where you just like can't really connect with it emotionally. And, and yeah. And similar to Bahubali, the, the film 
kind of hooks you in with the action. It hooks you in with the like, oh my gosh, I'm watching, like in Bahubali, I'm watching somebody climb this monstrous waterfall and it's just like a spectacle to watch. But then it keeps you invested because because the danger, of course, is that like, well, you know, how do you keep amping up the action? How do you keep like escalating? That's like a big rule of filmmaking, right? Is you're, you're supposed to like never go down. Like everything has to keep getting more and more ridiculous, more and more action heavy. Um, but I think what this movie does cleverly and rightfully is that by the time you get to that midpoint, by the time you get to that point, it's like, well, how could you still have another movie's worth of movie left? But I care so much about the characters I think that they are so intuitive and I think that they are so lovely and the stakes of their friendship, right? That's what keeps it going. And then the movie throws like curveball after curveball at you of like, haha, well, we have another movie's worth because there is a movie's worth of story to tell. And I think that that is the case. Like they are not just sort of padding it out. They're not just sort of being like, we're just going to like do this because we have a bunch more action sequences. How many times have we talked about in superhero movies today? particularly Marvel movies, where they all feel built around the action sequences and the story can be so secondary, right? Like they come up, uh, I think the Mission Impossible movies tend to be like this too. It's like they come up with the action set pieces before the story. And uh, I know for me, that's really frustrating because I think story should always trumpet everything. Um, I think like you, your action set piece is nothing. If you don't have a really good story to go with it, um, you would just have some spectacle that like, you know, uh, I, I could take or leave. But yeah, that's that's a key reason why I think this film is as successful as it is. It's not just the action. Sure. But I think um, like the way I kind of jokingly have been referring to this film is that like, as we've mentioned, it is my first Hollywood film. And it's sort of like if you met someone who had never seen a Hollywood movie and you showed them like Mission Impossible Fallout for the first time. And I was like, or like Mad Max Fury Road or something. And it's just like, mm-hmm. this is what movies are. And so, you know, like, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's like, just like a kind of casual joke, but it's just like, it's not like the action in this movie is like, it's mostly green screen heavy. I think they shot it during the pandemic. Like, it's not like they're doing things where the actors put their lives on the line or like did anything like, incredibly dangerous or like anything you can't believe that they did so you know it's a lot of like like heightened like we said goofy action but it is a lot of it like cgi and and you know like it's a lot of green screen effects but for me i feel like it the best sort of comparison point as far as like a western perspective and this is me very much going to be a western in this comparison is like this feels like kind of like what the fast and furious movie should be like i mean i like those movies fine and they're they're, they're enjoyable but i feel like those movies mm. make such clear strides certainly from uh van diesel's perspective of being like we have the most bonkers ludicrous action we can to the point you're even ludicrous in the movie um <laughs> and uh ha, ha, ha. sure and we do like these weird things where it's like in the last one just like people are like oh at this some point you're just going to take them to space and it's like yeah sure let's just take them to space and it's just like they're doing these ludicrous things and they have like this like emotional underpinning where it's just like these very like broad displays of, you know, bromance and like, you know, emotionality in it. And I feel like those movies don't always quite crack the code. Like, I guess the closest is Fast Five, which is a movie I really enjoy. Like, it's a fun action movie, exactly, I think, what it should be. But I feel like this movie 
it has like that core central bromance, the story that really connects you in and you get all those crazy action beats, but they never sort of like interfere with the other, like the emotion mm-hmm. of the story really resonates and comes alive. And as you're watching this very affecting story, there's just a bunch of cool, crazy shit that's happening <laughs> with them or they're just doing a bunch of crazy, cool stuff. And it's just like the balance of that, I think is what really makes this film so outstanding. I do want to get into more detail here soon, but I, you know, I will point out, I think there are only two flaws that are worth even bringing up. You know, every movie has flaws. What are you going to do? Uh, I think, I think one of the flaws is a little bit in some of the construction of the plot. This plot is very much built on conveniences, coincidences. It's not a huge deal. It's not one of those things that breaks the movie like it might in others, because it's something that you might not even notice. And also it, it, it's such a heightened movie, as we've said. It does feel like the kind of movie where fate is such a powerful force. Of course, this character is going to show up in this place right at the right time. You know, stuff like that, certainly. Yeah, I is, mean, uh, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, it's like it's almost like predestined that these things are going to happen mm-hmm. in, a we- in a weird way. Yeah, it's easy to get over that um, because the mood of the film matches it. Uh, the other thing, and you know, th- this is going to vary for people, right? They're either going to be with it or not. And it is the effects. I think sometimes the effects can be kind of shoddy and I don't care because like, yeah, that's a CGI tiger that looks like a CGI tiger. But let me tell you, I don't care (laughs) because like the construction of the action scene itself is so thrilling that I don't need it to be like purely like I don't need it to be perfect to be immersed because like the the wildness of what's happening is visceral enough that i can still have fist bumping fun if this was like schindler's list sure you know i'd be a little bit of like my suspension of disbelief is in danger but uh no i didn't have that issue with the effects across the board there were just a few times where i was like i wish this looked a little bit like i i wish this was a little bit tighter in terms of the effects because then this moment would be even ah uh, you know good even better but then uh then you'll have a moment where like two characters are like staring each other down and the elements are behind them and those those moments the effects are like Almost oh, yeah. perfect. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think if you compare the special effects to maybe your typical big budget Hollywood blockbuster, it's going to fall short. But for me, like you said, it never really impacted the film experience for the viewing experience for me, because in a weird way, like sort of that cartoonishness that you're referring to adds the sort of heightened buffoonery of the film like it it is just one big right. cartoon in a way so like it, it makes sense that the special effects aren't like super realistic or whatever and yeah i mean maybe that's me making excuses i don't know but i, I do that, that never fully bothered me i, I agree that like you know it, it it is not as good as like what you might see from uh some other blockbusters but you know like it's not like these effects are like worse than some of the effects we've gotten in recent marvel movies you know what i mean like you know like some of those special effects look really bad and i oh, feel yeah. like you know we still and, enjoy black panther and that final action sure. set piece is pretty bad in terms of effects yeah no i mean like two of the most recent marvel movies got nominated for best visual effects at the oscars and like i mean you know like song yeah, chi like, i'm sorry home yeah hmm. yeah you know i mean i think we agree on that sure you know so I don't think that's a making. I don't think that's a completely a uh, breaking point of the film. But I can see why it's worth pointing out and criticizing. Yeah, like I said before, it, the story is the story is king. You know, like you you can. Um, I have way more wiggle room for special effects if the story is serving the film so well 
that it makes it easy for me to overlook whatever technical flaws there might be, especially because there aren't really a lot of technical flaws elsewhere uh, in terms of just like, my goodness, like the not too dance sequence is like, it's it's magical. Like what they're able to do with those, like it, it makes me think like, man, this is what they're enjoying over oh, yeah. in the Bollywood scene, right? Because like, this is like such a staple of like, we got to have a dance sequence. How come our films don't have dance sequences? Well, Ashton, is it because we can't dance? I think uh, that's it. Maybe. I don't know. We uh, had Gene Kelly. What happened? Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, Hail, Caesar did, Hail Caesar did a whole thing with Channing Tatum and people were like, who cares? Yeah. I'm no sad. dames. Um, yeah. So as far as that uh, dance sequence is concerned, I, I've said this to you before and I, I've said it elsewhere, but I just really love without giving too much away that, you, you know, there's going to be like they're setting it up. Like, obviously, like they're got they're on a dance floor. You know what's going to happen? Like they're going to dance mm-hmm. and they're going to school these, uh, you know, stuffy British colonialists who think they they know everything about everything. But you expect it to be kind of like a, you know, sort of lighthearted moment, kind of like a break in the action as far as like, here's sort of like a reprieve and then we're going to get some really cool action again. But that dance scene hits as hard, if not maybe even harder than most of the action scenes in the film. And I think that was the point for me where I really like, I was really liking the film before this, don't get me wrong, but I think that was the point where I was like, okay, like I love this movie. Like this is an incredible film. <laughs> I, th- I think for me, the second half of this is what made me be like, this is this isn't just a film that I really enjoyed. This this is just something that is hitting on a totally different level than what I was expecting, because, yeah, it just sort of takes all this great, all this goodwill it's built up, all this enjoyment and amusement and like this feeling of like, all right, I know what's going to happen. You know, they're they're a couple buddies, but like, you know, they're going to have some conflict because one wants one thing and the other wants one thing. And then the film completely turns itself on its head and, and in such an emotionally fulfilling way. Uh, I don't want to say anything else, though, because. Because, yes, this is I think I think we've said a lot of great things about this that I think are true. It's a larger than life film. It's three hours, but it's nonstop thrills. I mean, it's just a true a true spectacle. It's, a, it's what blockbusters should be. Before we get into more spoilery stuff, uh, we'll definitely play the Rotten Tomatoes game first, too. Okay. But I do I do want to ask you, Will, I mean, do you think that this might have an effect on like I, I, I look at this um, as a movie that like I hope inspires young filmmakers you know, in the U S I hope that it's one of those films that people check out, um, and be like, you know what, we can make movies that good, like in the U S or Canada or wherever, you know, you call home as a filmmaker. Uh, I I hope it has that effect. I don't know that if it's going to have an effect, like in the short term, like, I don't know if like, you know, Hollywood people are looking at this and being like, okay, we, we, we got to step it up. You know, do you, do you have any sense of that? Uh, I really don't know. Um, I mean, I would hope that's the case. I mean, this movie, I, I haven't checked the box office recently, but I know at least the weekend I saw it, it was in the top 10, which I mean, you know, you, you kind of have to factor in like the pandemic. People are still kind of weary about going to movies and whatnot. But the fact that a major Tollywood movie like this is in the top 10 of the American box office is really you know, just incredible. Like you said, it's kind of going back to what you're saying, where it's clear that American audiences are you know, maybe gradually, but still are getting more comfortable going to movies that have subtitles that aren't directly American Western films. And that's what I find really encouraging at this moment. I don't know what the history or like what the legacy, the influence of the movie is going to be. I would hope, you know, Mm -hmm. it's good. I would hope it makes people realize that like, oh, like I don't have to settle for like 
so so american action movies that are just kind of like not putting in the effort like if if you know it, it, i would hope it encourages people to be like we got to step up our game in the same way that like the john wick movies and a few other recent action movies like mad men or, or sorry mad max uh yeah. inspired you know american filmmakers and other filmmakers be like okay we got to clearly step up our game like this is in theaters right now we can't like settle for something subpar that would be my hope i don't know what the the ultimate legacy or influence the film is but i mean even beyond that i just hope people check the film out and enjoy it i mean you know like i said like i was you know a little hesitant to see it at first just because like you said like it's a three-hour film if i don't like it i feel i'm gonna be trapped like am i gonna be like getting in a way over my head with something but the response to the film uh from you know the word of mouth that was growing was just overwhelmingly positive point where it's just like not even like one person was just like yeah it's pretty good like everyone was like this is really good or like this is maybe one of the most incredible action films ever made so i was like okay i at least got to give it a shot like even if i'm the one outliner i got to give it a shot and you know clearly i'm not the outliner and neither are you but i would hope that people you know i i, I don't want people feel like the expectations are too high. I don't want to set them up for disappointment, but I imagine most people are going to at least get something out of it just because the, the balance like we said of the incredible action sequences with the sincere, emotional uh, sincerity of the film and just the way that it's able to infuse these two things together in a really fun, entertaining package is just, uh, just really, really inspiring and really enjoyable. So yeah, that's, that's my hope and my, uh, answer your long my long-winded answer to your initial question yeah I, i'll say like i i, I want to see the film again just you know confirm cement my opinion but i i think easily this is this is the best action movie made since mad max fury road no question no contest like there's no other action movie i've seen in theaters since then that has come close to this experience i was giddy watching this movie i was like just shaking my head just being like oh my god this is this is something special um and yeah, I think it's one of the best action films probably ever made. And uh, obviously, we'll we'll have time to debate that and, and discuss that in the years to come. And I, I hope so. Uh, in terms of the box office, as you mentioned, it has made 1,082 crore. I don't know how to pronounce that correctly, but in U.S. terms, it's $140 million, which is fantastic. I mean, the film was made on a budget of 250, or 550 crore, so it's more than doubled its budget by now, or it's about to. And that's after just a couple of weeks or three weeks at the box office. And it's still picking up steam. Uh, I think this movie has a lot of legs because of that word of mouth. And I think that's what's really like just driving it to have such an impact uh, mm -hmm. beyond, you know, the typical like movie sort of uh, parameters of like, well, you know, it's this kind of movie, which means it's only going to make this amount of, you know, uh, and it's still playing around here in the Bay Area. So not that long, not for much longer. I know I was talking to Adonis, uh, who we mentioned earlier in the show. He was saying like, yeah, you know, I, it was playing in like the Boston area, but it's already gone. So, oh, really? you know, yeah, you, if you want to see this movie, you got to jump on it, I think, at this point, because yeah. uh, I don't I don't think it's going to last forever <laughs> or right. last that much longer. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we're coming into it late. So I, I apologize if, you know, we set you up to want to see it and it's not playing your area. But I mean, I would, you know, certainly encourage you to watch it in any way you can. If you can't see it, see yeah. it on the biggest screen you can, even if it's at home. Um, the question I was going to ask you real quick before we get into the Rotten Tomatoes mm -hmm. game was, do you think um, the cast of this film is going to get Hollywood notice if this continues. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Because that's think, where I, I think, think maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe in some uh, awards areas, like uh, maybe some awards like groups, I wouldn't, I would not say like Golden Globes or Oscars or anything, but you know, maybe some critic circles. 
Sure. I mean, there are like, I mean, there are some, you know, uh, English speaking actors who are involved with the song that people may recognize, like Ray Stevenson plays the main villain. People probably know him yeah. as like Punisher from Punisher Warzone, stuff like that. But I do. I mean, I generally did wonder if like this movie might, you know, allow and I apologize if I uh, butcher either of their names, but Ram Karayan or Karan uh, to, you know, like because he has that leading man presence. Obviously, I mean, he's a leading man of this film, but like, I don't know if like an American film would want to, you know, capitalize on his like, you know, traditional handsomeness and his just stoicness. And I don't know. I mean, I was wondering that, but uh, yeah, that I don't mustache, know. I think, oh, is absolutely. what will probably drive his awards campaign. So yeah. we just got to begin now in order to make it happen, I think. And the other that's thing, the thing. Yeah. I think if people if people are loud and proud about this movie and pushing the conversation all the year long, I think it could happen. And I think I think it would be wonderful to see. It doesn't have all the usual, you know, indicators. It doesn't have like the things that usually like get it into the, the politics of awards, which is the only issue. But anything can happen, I think. Yeah, because I was going to say, because um, as much as I enjoyed uh, Rom's performance, I, I feel like and again, I apologize if I mispronounced, but N.T. Rama Rayo Jr., who played Bahim, his performance, mm-hmm. I think, is like the the best of the two i don't know if you agree or that's, not see that's but. where we flip i i think i think ramshron is the the standout but oh. that's the thing well we were trying to figure out who was who and i think i, I was like oh is it even a question and okay now we now we've made it even clearer i suppose oh boy but uh, i'd be curious to hear why you feel his <laughs> performance is because i have my reasoning for why i i choose my my pick I think we're going to talk about it in the, the okay, spoiler spoilers, section. Right, that's a fair good, enough, yeah. good way to, st- yeah, I think that's a good way to open it actually. So uh, let's Rotten Tomatoes it up. Um, only 19 reviews have been counted. That is so sad to see. Uh, I'm hoping to get my review up there though, to add to the fun. Did um, uh, Corey's review go up? I, I um, talked to him. I guess he's reviewing it for the playlist. I haven't seen, uh, I think I saw his review on the playlist. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. Might even, yeah. I see it right here in like the, the like front page of the internet. Nice. Because I was the one um, that uh, convinced him to see this film. So I'm, I'm glad I'm, you know, casually getting the RT score up, I guess, and indirectly at least. Yeah. Sure. Um, and yeah, so in terms of the film's Rotten Tomato score, though, out of 19 reviews, Will, what do you think the tomato meter, where do you think it's at? Uh, I'm going to say 98. Oof. 84%. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll we, we'll look at that in a second. But first, audience score. What do you think that is? We have 500 plus verified ratings. Oh, well, now I I uh, feel less confident. Uh, 96, <laughs> 94, pretty close. Okay. Um, so yeah, and I think it, it's only three rotten reviews out of 19. Um, and Who's none of them out? are from. Okay. <laughs> well, none of them are from sources that I recognize. I think mm. they, from what I can tell, they're not like uh, American outlets. Oh, okay. Um. So, you know, I, I can understand that, you know, certainly if like people who are more familiar with that, with Bollywood and Hollywood sure. might just have, uh, you know, a okay. different impression. So I, I would, I would understand that. I was afraid it was like a cool Smithy thing where somebody was coming on being just like, I don't get no, it. Like, I don't think so. Cause these reviews were pretty early too. These were like March 25th, March 28th. Okay. They weren't like, you know, later in the game of like, all right, I'm going to cut Fair this enough. movie down to size yeah uh, one of them said like it's a bloated affair okay. uh, film rings hollow because it never pauses for breath obviously okay. stuff we disagree with completely <laughs> sure um, um yeah this this person said it throws so much from all directions and yet i left the theater feeling nothing that's sad that yeah just i just feel bad for that person to be honest yeah i can't imagine that i mean i hope they're okay look i mean 
I don't want to dismiss anyone who has criticisms about the film. Like, so we, there are criticisms you can make. If you don't like the film, I just feel bad. But I was just, I was nervous that like somebody is going to like start a backlash being like, oh, well, that movie Mm. isn't that amazing or whatever. And it's like, I am surprised. I mean, I haven't seen that backlash. I hope it doesn't come. I mean, I'm already seeing backlash towards like everything everywhere all at once. And, you know, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a little nervous, but um, we had a fun offline conversation about that. Um. Okay. Well, on Letterboxd, uh, you know, universal praise from everybody on in my Letterbox circle who's seen it. Like nothing lower than four stars. Um, and I'm seeing hearts lighten it up. It's like a Christmas yeah. tree on Letterbox. It's fun. <laughs> um. Yeah. But yeah. Well, uh, it's what the average day. rating is though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because we have we have seven point seven thousand watches, which is quite good for an international film that only just came out. Um. But yeah, what do you think the rating average is? Uh, is it 4.7? 3.9. Oh, okay. you're just in such a good mood, Will, that sure. you're just sort of like, you're having fun. You're just like, everybody loves this. And no, I'm, I'm sorry to say, uh, yeah, I perused the, the reviews on letterbox and everyone's, most of them are pretty positive, but they're, they're bunches of threes and three and a half. Yeah. I was going to say, I haven't seen, at least in my feed, a single person who has been lower than four out of five stars on this film. Ah, uh, boy. This review is kind of funny. It's a one star. Oh, boy. excessive drama, VFX, and anti gravity can entertain the mediocre audience who doze off while watching normal cinema. I mean, why would you not know your best friend inside out? So is that, that is that a review of the film or the people who are watching it? I mean, that that sounds like a review <laughs> of the audience. I mean, I guess so. Uh, boy. Anyway, uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit about the film in a spoilery context before we close things out. Um, I mean, I'll say quick. I mean, next week we're going to be talking about the unbearable weight of massive talent, Northmen. Um, unless we do a bonus for Northmen, uh, depending on how things shake out. Yeah, I mean um, that's uh, that's going off of your availability, I guess. Um, I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it'll be a good. Ep- it'll be a good episode. I think next week, lots of fun. Sure. Are stuff we? To talk about. Is there is there another thing talking about, coming out? Uh, no, the bad guys are coming out. You've seen that. I don't know if it's worth. Oh discussing. yeah, bad guys. Yeah, I just saw that. Is it worth discussing? Yeah. Bad guys, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Is the embargo um, up for that film? I don't know. If you're allowed to talk about it. Or it not. is. Okay. It is. is. Did it's you like up, it? And uh, I liked it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sweet, charming, pretty formulaic, but not in a not in an aggressive way. Okay. Um, but okay. Spoilers for RRR. Sorry now. Okay. Here, here's here's where the movie kind of like won me over completely because like I had a feeling there was more to Ron, right? And I wasn't sure what they were gonna do with him. Sure. I was like, okay, are they gonna? are they going to sort of take this character and maybe give him sort of like a, a tragic backstory that explains why he's a traitor, you know, like why, why is he working against, um, or are they, are they going to like try to like do a whole, he's going to go to the good side. And that was kind of like where the movie kind of led me. I don't know how many other people were just like, no, he's, he's secretly good. I, that caught me off guard. Um, in a good way. I, I caught that as a surprise, but I kind of get the impression that you saw that coming. Uh, he- I guess. I mean, I I think you're mostly just referring to the sort of flashback sequence that opens the second half of the film, which really, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I guess you sort of expect a certain thing from a flashback sequence like this. But the way it plays out, I think, it, like you said, that, I think that's what makes this good film go from like very good to truly exceptional. Well, my question is, did you per, did oh, you okay. see that coming that he was uh that he was secretly. Oh yeah, we good. can talk about spoilers now. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, I just kind of figured from the opening sequence where he's like kind of beating up 
everyone's just like, there's probably going to be more to this guy than we're led to believe. But I didn't know for sure because it's like, you know, I mean, I, I, I figured like if, it, if it's true, that this guy is really a genuine bad guy and we're starting the film off with this type of scene like this is a really bold choice for you know like a but it's like you know like if, if it was just a villainous like intro for the film I, I think that would have been certainly fine i mean it, you know it it goes as hard as every action be in this film to be sure i think i think that speaks to why the character so much because i love to hate the character in the first half because i'm just like man, he's so he's so cool but also he's terrible like he's doing terrible things but then he has that friendship and then it, it that went in a different direction i thought it would i thought it was going to be a cat and mouse game sure and but the movie just kept subverting itself it's the beauty of not watching trailers you know i, I didn't get that impression well, that yeah. they're best friends you know yeah i mean and so yeah you have that montage where like it's like it's official they're tight. They're bros. And they're like riding on the motorcycle and like doing a everything beautiful together. Beautiful montage. Oh my God. Yeah. He's like driving off and he's like, yeah. will the blood of the right, yeah. brothers come through? And I'm just like, I'm gripped. I wasn't eating popcorn, but I was doing the motion mm-hmm. of eating popcorn. Well, yeah. But I know, Billy, and like you see that, it's like, well, I don't think they're going to be singing that. There's not going to be some sort of confrontation between these two later. Will this but, add in violence? I think that was the yeah, line. Right. <laughs> Bloodshed. But, but, you know, but you watch it and you're like, well, I hope that thing. I mean, I just like hanging out with these, like, it's just, they're so chummy together. Like, they compliment each other in every single way. And it's just like, I don't want these two to, to break up. But when, when they do actually eventually fight, it's like, I'm torn because I don't want these two guys to fight. Yeah. But I really want like to see them kinda, fight. Where they got like really close, they're about to hurt each other. And yeah. I was like, no, kiss. Yeah. No, but no, no. That's but I the mean, thing. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of homoeroticism that you can read into the movie for sure. Um, yep. Especially at the end. Sure. And I don't know how much of that is intentional, how much of that is cultural and like, it's just different. I don't know. But certainly I was just sort of like, what is, what are these romances they're trying to shoehorn in with this, this like white woman named Jenny? And, oh, do you think you that know, was like his uh, fiance? And you think that was a film trying to be like, uh, we're officially not gay because this woman? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think so. I, th- I think there was a little bit of like no homo going on, which is kind of like, I'm not going to criticize the movie for it. I, I, I think that it's just sort of like, you know, another opportunity to, to be a bit more subversive, to be, you know, uh, everything yeah. else about the movie is pretty subversive. So, but you know, sure. Not, not a major complaint. I mean, I was going to ask you though, about the, uh, the performances from the English speaking cast, like I don't think anyone's necessarily bad, but it does seem like these performances aren't quite as strong as they the, aren't. The, yeah. But, but again, I, I like, look, I, I love platonic bromances. Okay. Like they don't need to kiss for it to be good. I want to get that out of the way. Cause I can already hear oh, people sure. typing of like, Hey, 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 why can't they just be friends? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. It's they like, I get be, that yeah. all the time though. Sure. It's like, I don't know. I'm just asking for some variety. Not, but anyway, I mean, I, would I be opposed to film if they had kissed? Certainly not. I just, I actually just found it really affecting that they're just like really, really good bros. Like, it's not like, you know, it's like they don't need to have that extra element of romance in it. They can be platonic and just be really tight and like be like, you know, soulmates in a way without being romantic soulmates. You know, I just thought that was really, I thought that was really sweet. And it's something I, you know, I didn't expect at all, certainly. Exactly. Yeah. And it is in the 1920s. So I'm sure they were just sort of like, well, we got to give them love interests because we don't want them to be to have like the social angst and uh, whatever. Uh, okay. But anyway, uh, agreed about the, the performances from like the, you know, like the British characters who aren't villains, I think, sure. uh, which I guess there's only one. 
you know, uh, the Olivia Morris uh, plays Jenny. And at the same time, though, like when I when I rewatch that Natu sequence, I think that it is kind of cartoonish, but I think in a fun way. Like she's just such a like charming and like disarmingly sweet person in this world where everyone around her is oppressive and evil. And she's like the one nice person. And there is this sort of like, mm -hmm. you know, what's her deal? Like, why is she so nice? But we never really explore that. I don't think we need to. Yeah. I mean, you tend to often describe things as like Disney Channel acting or Disney Channel writing. And I kind of got that vibe from her. But in this case, like in a good way. Because like she has kind like of kind weirdly of, fits, right? Yeah, it has like this like she's like so pure, like to the point where it's just like like it's almost like sun is la- radiating from like her face, like she's so innocent and pure, and you know, and it's just like yeah. I mean, the, the the role doesn't really demand a whole lot from Olivia Morris other than to be this like sort of ingenue ingenue sort of character, uh, and you know, I mean, I, I guess I think she does what's expected of her. I just feel like I don't know if it's a language barrier. I don't know if it's just because the character is sort of underwritten, but like I just feel or like the, her performance or the is, direction. Maybe you know? I don't know, but like maybe you know, the direction I'm, is just like a disconnect between Amer- you know, sure. British actors and. Yeah, but I mean, also you got to go yeah. bigger with it, Olivia. <laughs> She's right. like, I'm already going for <laughs> right, but also like the like, I mean, not the single her out, like uh, the other, the, the like the sniveling British dude, who's like, right. the, he's also not. But I think like, it comes across amazing. better as a villainous because you want them to be villainous sure. almost. With her, it's like a little bit more of like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get, it. but I mean, I will say, I mean, I think like race. Stevenson, like you know, he's good. Like he's you know convincing, and yeah, he he like really House like duty. he makes the most of every single like line, and uh, also like what's the name of his wife? Um, Allison Duty. Allison, oh, that, that's Allison Duty. Yeah, I think she you know she seems to be having a ball with this part too. It's like make him bleed. Uh, you know, it's I just know. The, yeah. I had that moment too. It's like another movie where I was like, I know this person. I know this person. Uh, same thing with everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. And I was like, oh, because they played a character in Indiana Jones. Is <laughs> uh, Allison Duty is uh, I think Elsa in the Last Crusade. I want to say. Oh, okay. Uh, so big year for Indiana Jones actors. We'll see what Harrison Ford's going to get up to soon. Sure. And Shia LaBeouf, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. I, I one thing I really loved about um, probably the second half of this movie, especially, is like as we're getting to know the Ron character more, we're starting to like go into his backstory. We we also get like just these sequences that we we stopped getting more of the kinetic, over the top, like smiling action scenes, and we get the harsher sort of like this is it, like this is like the stakes have never been higher and it it really works like especially in like the torture sequence where beam is getting whipped and it like turns into a song it's just like ah it's a a beautiful moment i think like it's like a 10 minute scene or something like that and it just like like the emotion of it all you Mm -hmm. know where ram is like trying to not kill hurt his friend and kill his friend and it's you know the revolutionary aspect of it is really starting to kick in i was worried you know in the early parts of the movie i was like where's the revolutionary stuff it's called rise roar revolt there's not a lot of revolting and especially like in the midpoint it's just him and the animals i'm like well where's where are the revolutionaries i want like a big action set piece but uh yeah i don't know yeah, I mean, I, I do think you point out something that I think is smart, which is that I feel like a lot of action movies, they tend to kind of put the more like over the top stuff towards the end. And they might like over stuff the second half to have like more of the like 
well, non ground in reality things in that point. And I feel like this movie was smarter about like kind of pushing that stuff towards the first half so that the more grounded and gritty action beats hit harder in the second half and they have more depth and emotionality to them. And they see, and certainly the one you're talking about being uh, one of the biggest examples of that. Uh, yeah. And I think it really adds to the, the uh, emotional core of the film to be sure. I think, uh, so we forgot, by the way, to have a little debate. Why would we like one character more than the other? Sure. My argument. I didn't forget. The reason, I was waiting. <laughs> the reason I like Ron more is because with him, I think that I, I have more complicated emotions around his character and I found his journey more compelling. Um, whereas with Beam, I think he's simpler. He's a simple character. I think he is like sort of uh, the shadow um protagonist you think he's the the leading man not the leading man i guess or he, we know he's the co-lead but you take the film as a hero versus villain story but really i think this movie comes down to like rom is the real protagonist it opens with him more than it does with beam and i always sort of felt like you know this beam character he feels a little bit undercut or you know underwhelming in some respects like he has this connection with nature which is really fascinating but there isn't as much of like an arc i guess his main arc is like okay i need to learn how to i guess be more trusting or you know to sort of like be more patient and to fight in a smart way instead of just trying to like attack everything with violence i think that that's kind of a half-baked arc though i don't think it's like carefully built out because i think the movie wants to talk more about Rom and him grappling with like, did I do things the right way? You know, was this like, was harming, you know, my own people for the sake of arming them later, you know, worth the sacrifice and him coping with that, I think is a more fascinating element of the story. And I just think the actor himself is just like remarkably good. I, I mean, just going back and forth between all these different emotional ranges and who he is with one group of people who he is with another. I just thought it was like a, a much deeper, richer, well, um, that's the thing. I don't want these guys to fight. Uh, they're both great. So, yeah, just I my mean, I, uh, I get where you're coming from. I guess for me, I just found myself more impressed with how uh, Beam was able to, like, at the beginning of the film, he has, like you said, that sort of like primal action scene where you like you see him shirtless running around in the the jungle, just like you know, being this big badass dude. And you see him later, Although, like you know, I he's say, dressed though, up like uh, in that colonial. Can, can wear. I say real quick? I, I want to keep, I, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I want to say real quick, I don't want to forget this. The genius of that scene is that he's, he's not cool and confident the whole time. There are several moments where he's just like scared. Sure. And it's like this, you think he's supposed to be like this calm, cool, collected badass, but then he's just like, oh shoot, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to die. But um, that lends to like liking the character a lot. Sorry to interrupt. Oh yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, I feel like there's never any doubt with him in the opening that like, he's like a badass dude and he's like, you know, gonna like he cares about animals. He doesn't want to hurt the animals, but he has to because it's like he cares about you know his, his village and he wants people. He 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 needs to do what he has to do, and you know he he goes into the colonial India and he's like you know kind of dressed up and he has to kind of be browbeat and like physically beat in a way where it's like well can he really sell this? But I feel like he as a performer really captures that like kind of like goofy affable side. And also convincingly sells the action beats that come before and after that. Like he, he's able to communicate the goofy, silly, like he's able to be, you know, kind of schlubby and goofy and, you know, 
uh, unbecoming in some ways, but he's also able to be like a total complete badass throughout the film as well. And I feel like he's able to sell the complexity of that part in physically as well as emotionally in a way that doesn't feel like one is under service over the other. I think that's what really impressed me about his performance. I see where you're coming from too. Yeah. Obviously they're both impressive performances. Yeah. It's just like, I think we just connected with different elements of each a little bit more strongly, I guess. I don't know. Um, you're a little because bit country. My... Yeah, I'm a little bit rock and roll, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, why do I have to be country? <laughs> I don't know. I can change it around. Especially because this, this is the character who... Your, your character is the one who's out in the country and the jungle. Sure. I'm and a like... little bit country. You're a little bit rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I still think it's kind of... Anyway, I'm more punk. Um, bratty, I guess. But yeah, no. Uh, the only other thing I'll say is like we already kind of touched on the romance stuff. I think the romance stuff isn't very strong either. I don't think it needs to be like, I think that the whole thing with, uh, I think Sati was the name of, of his like fiance, I guess. Like, I think the movie tries to like also be like a romantic comedy at times. And I think none of that stuff is very interesting. Like I, I was always happy to see that. Like it did always have like a, a role in the plot. Like, uh, the fiance wasn't just the fiance. She also was able to serve exposition. She was able to connect the two characters and be instrumental. Uh, and then also, you know, Jenny was also a character who like without her, he doesn't, you know, sort of infiltrate, you know, the place. And so they certainly had their functions, but I think the movie was trying to be a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. I think it pulled it off, but it certainly was in the danger zone (laughs) at certain points. I guess I was like, okay. Um, but I think I think I think it managed the balance quite nicely. So I, I that's why I still consider it a remarkable film. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of my favorite films of the year. Uh, sure. I don't know how I, I don't know where you land with it. I mean, overall. it's certainly up there. I mean, I'm definitely. I mean, I've been championing the film since I've seen it, and certainly I, I encouraged you and a few other people to see it. And I'm glad everyone's responding to it that I've talked to really well. Uh, and I hope by talking about it on the show that we've encouraged a few other people to seek it out. Yeah, so if you are one of those people who did seek it out and now you're listening to the spoiler part, uh, let us know um, if you have seen it or if you, yeah, if, um, what you thought, especially if you have a, you know, something to say that we didn't bring up or even touch on because there's so much I'm sure that like has slipped oh, yeah. my mind or, yeah, you know, uh, we didn't get to. It's a big movie. Right. Yeah, I mean, also like you saw it like a week ago. I saw it like a couple weeks ago. So yeah. I'm sure there's things I've forgotten or overlooked or am I, I'm taking for granted or whatever. So yeah, I'd love to hear whether people people think of it, especially if they see it more recently. Yeah, can't wait to rewatch it. And again, if you want to check out this director's other work, uh, it certainly is worth seeing. I think uh, it doesn't measure up quite as high as RRR. I think RRR is like, could very well possibly most likely be his masterpiece at the moment. Sure. Um, but certainly Bahubali and Bahubali 2 are absolutely worth checking out. They're quite fun movies. Or the first ones are quite fun. Um, I, I I think I'm like two thirds of the way through of it. So okay. I'm going to be finishing it shortly and I think it's quite good. So Yeah, I apologize. Uh, I, I really appreciate the feedback uh, and the recommendation. I, I just didn't have a chance with work to see the film, unfortunately, but I did want to check it out. I didn't want to make it seem like I ignored the film or didn't check it out. I wanted to see it just like you said, like the runtime. I it just didn't work out, unfortunately. But I am yeah. very excited to see not only the director's past work, but what he has in store for the future. Cause I'm really, really curious to see what's going to come next. Do you think he's going to do RRR too? No, I think, I think he's going to do the movie. We all want him to do next sinister six. Sure. You think you really, you Aunt made you really think he's going to do sinister six. Yeah. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I'm just I mean, joking around. I yeah. no, I am a little nervous that, you know, he's going to start getting some calls from, you know, 
people who don't have the best intentions. But I don't know. I feel like this is such a, a unique director. I, I highly doubt he's going to be doing like selling out, I guess. But sure. Knows, man, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, there is the the concern I have that someone's going to be like, hey, Hobbs and Shaw 2. What do you think? <laughs> god help us all right that'll do it for cinemaholics this week next week on the show as we already alluded to uh we're planning to talk about the unbearable weight of massive talents this is like a kind of a nick cage meta movie i don't know too much about it Uh, well i don't want to say too much uh i haven't seen a lot of uh i haven't seen the trailer in full i okay and uh I do know that Peter Pascal is in it, Ike Barinholtz, yes. and uh, Neil uh, Patrick Harris, Tiffany Haddish. Uh-huh. Um, incredible cast. I don't know what the deal is with Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish being in a lot of the same uh, projects together. Two now, I guess, right? They did the Three, because uh, they were in the After Party. They were in the Oath. Oh, okay. I, in, I, I didn't know about the After Party. I knew about the Oath, which uh, Ike Barinholtz directed, obviously. I guess they're buddies. I don't know. But, uh, and, oh, and Ale- know? Ale- yeah. Alessandro Mastronardi. Um, is in this as well from uh, Master of None. Okay. And uh, the after yeah, party good cast. Was that good? The after party? Uh, I haven't finished it. I, I only watched the first uh, episode. Okay. And I liked it. Yeah. That, um, Fun time. I feel like, and this is not to disparage your uh, uh, your viewing habits, but I feel like um, the Apple stuff, like with the exception of Severance and Ted Lasso, hasn't really like seeped its way into the popular culture at this point like people will say oh that was pretty good or like oh i might check that out and i feel like they they haven't really had you the, think so i mean just those two shows seem to be the only ones i see people casually talk about outside I think of, that's your timeline though i see a lot of like we crashed um, a lot of people were talking oh, really? about that uh, I i've seen anyone people talk about that. oh i saw a bunch yeah especially during south by southwest but uh i i wouldn't say that i'd, I'd say that it has like certainly uh, I think I've seen people talking about Pachinko quite a bit. Um, but again, I think we have different timelines. It's hard to, it's hard to know for sure these things. Yeah. But that said, uh, Severance, I will, phew, that's a show right there. That's like... I like what I've seen so far, to be sure. I hope you finish it soon because I, I think we have we are overdue for a conversation about it. That's for sure. I don't know on here right. or offline or whatever. But anyway, uh, we'll also talk about uh, maybe uh, hopefully the bad guys. I think that's what we're talking about. Um, that's a new DreamWorks animated movie. Uh, we're hoping to do the Northman, maybe maybe as a bonus. I think that would be a fun time if we could fit it in some time this week and then devote more time to the other movies. Uh, the only other thing I've seen on the list is Polar Bear, which is like a Disney nature thing on Disney Plus. Uh, that'll probably be the main review. So <laughs> okay, um, good. <laughs> yeah, so fire up your Disney Plus, and uh, yeah, that's it for us though this week. Thank you so much for listening to Cinemaholics and supporting us all the way. Uh, don't forget we have Patreon, we have a merch page if you'd like to support us. All that info and more is in the show notes, including our social media. We love you guys. We'll see you on the next one from the internet, California. I'm John Agroni. And for the internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Washington. See you next time.